Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard McDowell, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. And of course, follow our coverage 24-7, 365 of women's basketball over at High Post Hoops. And we're looking at some draft previews. And this one's a little bit different than I would imagine it's been in past years in Las Vegas with Dan Padover, who uh, is general manager with the Las Vegas Aces. Dan, how much different is it when you're sitting there late in the third round instead of pick number one? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's a lot different um, from a, you know, um, planning the planning the evening and all that, you know, just because when you're at the top of the draft, you're getting a lot more phone calls from other teams mm-hmm. um, from the onset, whereas when you're in the back, nobody's as interested in number 33 as they would be in number one, obviously. I mean, you, you guys have never shied away from making the big move. So from that perspective, is there more of a challenge to figure out who and when and how you might want to, let's say, buy into this draft, whether it's a trade early on or even uh, something, say, second, early, third round? Yeah, well, look, I think there's plenty of ways to make to make big moves. Uh, and, you know, I, I think, you know, between getting Angel and Danielle this offseason, I think, um, you know, we kind of anted up in a year where we knew we weren't a big draft player, so we tried to be a free agent player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, look, you're, you're always having conversations with teams and, and looking at ways to, to get your team better. But um, we feel really good of, of where we're at right now. Are you feeling like the first round this year offers – players who could potentially help you, by which I mean, are there fits where you'd say, look, in the right situation, the right time, that's a player who makes a lot of sense for the Las Vegas Aces in 2020 specifically? Because like you said, this is very much a team looking to win now. Yeah, I think there's scenarios where, you know, you could see that in players in the draft, you could see that in free agents, you could see that within your own players if they develop. So you're Mm -hmm. always looking at, you know, different ways to get better. And that's obviously always one of them. Let's talk about the players who you have added. Now, you and I have spoken in the past about the amount with which the Aces use the three-point shot. And so Angel McCautry and Daniel Robinson both have significant strengths they bring to the table, obviously. We'll take each in turn. But neither one are um, – players who have excelled from three. And and I guess I wonder whether there's just simply a decision that you guys are made to zig when the lead is zagging in that way, or whether you see uh, ways to, at the margins, increase their productivity from beyond the arc. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the simplest way of looking at it was we wanted to make our team better uh, through free agency. Um, Two areas we identified were scoring, um, and another was backcourt depth and leadership. Mm-hmm. And at the, in those both of those spots, um, Angel and Danielle were at the top of our list. And, and we hit a home run on both of them. Now, you know, in, in a different world, if, if both of them had, uh, you know, 45% percentages from the, from the three-point line, we would have taken that also. Sure. But you can't have everything. You True. can't have absolutely everything. Um, so... You know, both of them. When you when you look at it top to down of who was available, they were they were at the top. Um, and you know, Bill's very good at 
using the pieces he has to, to play a certain way, and we feel really good that we added talent to our basketball team. Now, Bill is always blunt, and Bill is very clear about the type of roles that players are going to have. That's something anyone who's ever played for him talks about uh, respecting and appreciating. So what, what were those initial conversations like, uh, both with Angel and with Danielle? And, you know, where are you guys seeing them fit into what is already a really densely packed with talent uh, roster, especially in the starting lineup? Yeah, you know, I think with both of them, there's some areas of similarity um, and then, you know, some areas that fit both of their skill sets. Um, you know, with Angel, I think she's at a point in career, her career where she just wants to win. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not as much about averaging 20 points a night for her anymore. Um, it, it's, it's about being on a collective basketball team and really trying to, you know, finish out her career at some point with a championship. So um, I think the biggest thing with Angel was letting her know, like, hey, we don't know exactly, you know, how many minutes you're going to play every night, how many shot attempts you're going to get. But know this, we want you to be in the trenches with us, and we know that you're a competitor. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I think she really appreciated that. And quite frankly, I think the opportunity to play for Bill, um, you know, was something that I think fits fits her attitude, fits her personality, and I think she wants to be challenged by him. So it was it was a good fit in that regard also. Sure. And then as far as Danielle goes, you know, the point guard position was obviously an evolution for you guys last year with some time with Jackie Young yep. early on and, you know, Kelsey uh, Plum assuming more of the playmaking duties by the time we got to the playoffs. I'm just curious how you view the position as you look at your roster right now relative to where Danielle fits in. Yeah, so, I, I mean, you know, going into the training camp, we signed Sydney Colson at the buzzer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she came in, did a, did a good job for us. Uh, we got her back into the league, and we're really happy for her that she's going to be on to Chicago. We weren't going to go in, in that direction. She was going to head out um, to play for a different team. So, you know, we kind of looked at how can we enhance that, that role. Um, and we spoke with Danielle on, on day one of free agency, and obviously, you know, her quickness, her, her defensive ability, um, all, all those things speak for themselves. But really, her, her want to be on a ball club like the Aces that is really growing together and is really looking to do something special, it just popped out on the phone call. And I think when Bill and I got off that call, we knew if there was an opportunity to bring her on this team, she just had one of those characteristics that you couldn't hide from that she was going to gel well with this team and um, we went and luckily it kind of turned in our direction and we were able to sign her up. The fact that she is a defensive presence and obviously Angel is a significant defensive presence as well it seems like you guys are philosophically looking to win in a way that more approximates, let's say, what Bill did in Detroit, what Cheryl Reeve has done in Minnesota, than the way teams have run the last couple of years that have ended up, whether it's winning, whether it's Seattle and Washington, who were uh, both fine defensive teams, but their offenses and their historic nature of their offenses were what led them to win. And even Connecticut uh, finishing as a runner-up last year as well. There's a bigger conversation about the lead that talks about the direction the lead is going. It's a phrase I've used many times. It seems like you guys take a different view. Do you think that's accurate to say? I think we, we know what type of basketball team we have. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're obviously an inside-out team. 
and we're an attacking team, right? And I think Angel and Danielle are two players that can keep coming down your throat, um, you know, can get out on the break. Angel is something we don't have, which is I can get to any spot on the floor, which at times in the season last year when our offense got a little stagnant, mm-hmm. we missed that. But, I mean, you can you can throw Angel on an island and she can go get you too. Right. And there's not many players in the league that can do that. Um, so, to your point, um, yes, I, I think, you know, it, it's well known that Bill's teams play with an attacking style of play, both defensively, um, both from a rebounding perspective, and, and obviously on the offensive end, they're going to – you know, we're going to try and jam it inside. We're going to try and get foul calls. And we're going to try and keep coming and wear teams down. So I think that's no secret to anybody. It's obviously a strength, not a weakness, to have Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson together. But when you broke down the numbers, neither one was as efficient when the other one was on the court at the same time. I just I wonder what you feel like you learned from year one of them playing together. There were a lot of mitigating circumstances. Liz was obviously injured earlier in the year. And and trying to make that all work is a challenge. But where where do you see at the margins ways to, uh, let's say, more um, max out what you're able to get out of the two of them together? Yeah, I mean, look, you hit on Liz's injury in the beginning of the year, but... Asia also had an injury in the middle of the year. Right, true. So it was, it, was, it was rare that we had the two of them all court together for an extended period of time. And I think, you know, honestly, the biggest thing is going to be the, how much the two of them have learned to play with each other. And, you know, talking to them with the, in the offseason, they can't wait to get back on the court together. So it, it's really become, um, you know, a great duo and a great threat to have on both ends of the floor. So, you know, I think we saw some things in the postseason at the end of the year um, that are going to really help us. But um, to, your, to your first point, um, would would much rather have the both of them than one of them. And just, I, I assume this is a matter of paperwork since we've seen her on social media uh, calling season ticket holders and otherwise getting <laughs> ready for the season. But the, the percentage chance that Liz doesn't return is 0%, correct? Correct. Okay. All right, so we'll get that out of the way. So your larger vision for this team, you say that you guys play a certain way, and, and, and look, it's entertaining as hell, and seeing it in person is uh, something. There's a physicality that goes a step beyond what anybody else has done. It's also obviously something that relies on, especially this offseason when you've made these changes, a lot of getting together that you guys are not getting the chance to do with all this uncertainty with the team that goes along with it. So I wonder how you go go about planning for that and whether that alters, let's say, what your immediate expectations can and should be for what this team is right away, putting together a lot of new parts uh, at the same time. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the biggest thing is everybody has to be flexible right now, right? So what we thought was going to be the setup of, of a season a month ago, it's going to be different. So, mm-hmm. you know, all we can really do is, is plan for whatever gets thrown at us um, and, and build appropriately. But as far as expectations, you know, we're not going to lower any expectations due to, you know, extraneous factors that nobody can control mm-hmm. and all 12 teams are going through it. So, you know, once, once we have a better idea of scheduling and planning and all of that, um, we'll put our best foot forward and, 
you know, get our team to, to where we need them to be. But um, I don't think anybody wants to, you know, lower any expectations. Well, Bill, Bill had been talking about it being a three-year plan. I'm, I'm sure you heard that even more than I did. And so <laughs> yeah. that, that, that would make 2020 that year. It, there has to right. be a certain level of frustration, I would imagine, over the fact that here we are, the team is built, you, you're putting all the parts yep. together, and now you're dealing with that. Um, so I, I, can, I can only imagine uh, the difficulty and frustration as far as that goes. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Jackie Young, who yep. we're still determining, I feel like, externally, what she is and what she can be. I remember her back at Notre Dame. And, at, you know, Muffin McGraw said something that raised a lot of eyebrows when she was a sophomore in college, saying she could be the best player to ever come out of Notre Dame. Figuring out what her role is, I feel like, is a critical part of that. What do you feel like you guys have learned having had her for a year? Um, you know, I think if you look at it, right, she really did a unbelievable job of coming in as a 21-year-old and being handed the ball and saying, hey, go keep Kelsey Plum, Kayla McBride, Liz Cambage, and Asia Wilson happy. You know, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's, that, that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, and we, and we knew it going in, and we just have to keep harping on it, is for her to realize when it's her time. Because there's a whole other gear for her that she can level up to, and, and people can't stop her. I mean, mm-hmm. she's strong, she's fast. Similar to what I said about Angel, she's one of those players that can get to any spot on the floor, and nobody can stop her one-on-one. So I think the biggest thing for her is going to be, at times, to be a little less selfish, or not, um, to really embrace the scoring component of her game. Um, because it's there, and she's just got to get it out of her. But I watched her play on the USA three-on-three tour this year, and I was really, really happy with what I saw. Um, she's she's taken a big step, and, um, you know, knock on wood, uh, hopefully we get, you know, started sooner rather than later, but I had her pegged to have a have a really solid year two, and a lot of these players, there's a big difference between year one and year two, mm-hmm. and Jackie's taking it really seriously from her on-court work to her nutrition to – the way she's looking at the game. So I, I couldn't be more thrilled with, with where Jackie's at. And honestly, it's just um, further, you know, assuring that we made one heck of a pick last year by taking her at one. You know, to have her in place alongside a Kayla McBride, it's interesting in the sense that there does seem to be a fair amount of overlap. Uh, I, I don't just mean in terms of their collegiate pedigree, but also where Jackie Young's game is going. And so when you think about win now 2020, balancing now against the future, does Jackie Young's evolution free you up to lean a little bit less on Kayla McBride? You know, how, how does Kayla figure into that? Because you go back and you look at what she did in 2019. It wasn't just making an all-star team, but she put up the, the best defensive uh, season of her career was something that was already uh, a solid part of her game. Uh, so I'm curious how that balance works in your mind when you think about those two on your roster and what you get from them. Yeah, I think, look, I, I think their skill sets actually comp- complement each other pretty well rather than overlap. Um, Kayla's a dead-eye three-baller. Mm-hmm. As you said, has really, really learned to, 
play defense over the couple last couple of years. Whereas Jackie's a little bit more of a utility player from a bunch of different spots on the floor, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and more of a uh, you know more of a you know. How are you there? I'm here. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry, sorry. All good. <laughs> um, just more of an more of an athletic um, competitor on both sides of the floor. Mm-hmm. And, and so, in that way, is that almost more useful in a starting lineup in an offense where there's already so much demand for the ball? Whether it's Asia, you know, whether it's Angel, whether it's Liz. Uh, do you need to find ways to combine lineups with them, with players who uh, aren't necessarily uh, used to being option one, two, or three? Yeah, so I don't think we look at it like option one, two, or three. I think we look at it like we've got our group of you know five, six, seven, eight players that we're going to go to bat with, and you know whoever's getting off is going to keep keep playing. Um, mm-hmm. and that's our rotation, and we're going to go try and win a championship with that crew. Makes sense to me. I, um, the, the other part uh, is Dierica Hamby and, and talking about her evolution and, and, you know, among the most improved players, uh, to be sure, yep. in this league over this period of time. Is, is she simply the luxury you get to keep on the second unit and present your crazy mismatches for, for teams come the second quarter of games when you can either, uh, you know, utilize that to... Uh, catch up or more likely extend your leads? Yeah, I mean, look, it's no secret that the beauty with Erica is she can play multiple positions, right? You can throw her in a match at the three, mm-hmm. you can put her in either front court spot, and she's got enough of a motor, she's got enough of physicality where she can pretty much guard anybody. Um, so she is, um, you know, a luxury to have off the bench, and she'd be a luxury to have in the starting lineup. So yeah. either way, no matter you know what she plays on any given night, she had times this year she started, she had times last year she came off the bench. Um, and I, I, I assume that'll be the case this upcoming season also, just depending on how the season goes and, and so forth and so on. But, um, yeah, I mean, her game continues to grow. She'll continue to tell you that she's a three-baller. And, I, you know, I expect that that part of her game to – grow as well it's it's it, she has some evidence to support it <laughs> to be sure she does. She does. She but does. it reminds me a lot of what natasha howard was for those minnesota teams especially you know uh, later on in their reign well before i let you go let's leave on a on a positive note so when you think about the season ahead and you think about what's to come what what's the first thing that most excites you what's that that image that comes back to you most often when you envision all of us being past this awful moment in time. You know, I think there's a certain beauty in seeing all the players come together and see each other for the first time. Um, You know, a locker room is a beautiful thing. And, you know, you go through highs and lows during, during a season, but then when you all get back together, camaraderie there. So on day one of camp and, and seeing all the players joke around with each other, that's when we'll know we're back. So, you know, I really look forward to that day. Well, I think we are all looking forward to that day. And you've put together one hell of a team uh, to match up against the others when that happens. So, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Howard.